Hey friends, and welcome back to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. I'm Brad Piron. I'll be your host for today's show, and I'm with my Ooh. friends and good brothers in Christ, Dan Dimite yes. and Aaron Richards. Mm. And uh, we're excited. How are you guys doing? Uh, well, you just said we're excited. That was you. Well, you just put your emotions okay. on me. Sometimes, Brad. why Dan, do you do that? I'm an individual. <laughs> all right, with my own emotions. We're gonna mute his microphone, I Aaron. How? No, uh, no, oh, dang it! I'm excited. Okay. Hey, <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'm pretty, I'm pretty Aaron, excited. you're excited too. I'm okay, excited. it turns out that I didn't lie to you earlier, and we are excited. Um, we're um, yeah, gonna jump right in. Get right. a question, Jack. Looking over at you. What's the question of? The week. Whoa. The week? The question. I don't know if that's what we call it, but it could be. The episode. uh, What do we mean when we say everyone is called to be a missionary? What do we mean when we say everyone is called to be a missionary? Awesome. Who is we? Um, Probably the church. The church. (laughs) Damascus. See it as Damascus. Um, I I have a feeling I know where you guys are going to go, so I'm going (laughs) to. Aaron's beating us the bunch. Oh, boy. He got. Did he? Oh. Oh, for Aaron, it needs to go in. No, Aaron, it's eventually (laughs) going to go in. Okay. Everyone is called to be a missionary. So uh, the original, it just so happens that I'm sitting next to the director of the missionary department here at the, uh, here at Damascus. (laughs) But um, I want to get a, maybe a different spin. I was, I was, I was sharing a couple of weeks ago with a, um, a reflection on Acts of the Apostles and it's chapter five. Uh, the apostles in Acts were really the, the first ones who lived out this like missionary mandate in the, in the church, of course. And in Acts chapter five, okay, there's this cool thing that happens 17, starting in, in verse 17, the, the apostles were imprisoned a bunch of times and <laughs> that happens <laughs> because they, yeah, they were, they were causing a ruckus. And on this, on this occasion in Acts chapter five, verse 17, 19 following, um, an angel breaks him out of prison and here it says at night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, go and stand in the temple and speak to the people, all the words of this life, speak to the people, all the words of this life. And, uh, as I, as I hear the question today, I'm, I'm drawn to the fact that like your life is going to tell a story that you're, you are going to change the world by the way that you live your life. The question is not if you will, but it's how you will. And within the context of the church, that the, the mission that's evident on our lives um, is so powerful because so many times in the course of everyday life, you know, that, that my witness, my testimony, the way that I live my Christian lifestyle, it's going to speak a message that's going to be louder than any song that you hear. It's going to be louder than any mass that you attend. Uh, it's going to be more memorable than any homily that's, that's pronounced, right? That, that that lived testimony is for many the only testimony that you hear. So uh, I, think it's, I think it's critical that, that we are called to live a missionary in our daily lifestyle because you're already doing it. It's a question of what mission you're going to be committed to mm-hmm. and what culture mm-hmm. you're going to profess. Yeah. Yeah, you can't, you can't do away with the human proclivity to represent something, right? Yeah, like yeah. you're going to represent yourself. You're going to represent some ideology. You're going to represent some, something. And so we who claim ourselves to be Christian, yeah. who claim ourselves to be Catholic, are we representing that which we claim to be the most important Well, well and furthermore, that's not by accident. Sure. Right? This isn't just sure. a reflection sure. on human nature, yeah. but it's actually precisely the means by which Jesus divide, like, divides yeah, right. this whole work of evangelization. Yeah. Well, Andy, we, we would do a disservice not to say that like the Lord, 
authored humanity. Like, so all of our proclivities that we find at like the deepest element of us was oriented back towards Mm. God and towards his purposes on earth. So if you're looking for uh, a thing to give your life to, that's probably it. I think, I mean, I, it's so interesting right now with like the world turning on its head with, and like, I think one of the responses for missionary activity in the, in the world today, if you will, is like to, to fight for the truth. And so like, we're fighting the government against the, the lies of all these different things. And we think the gospel truth, gospel truth, gospel truth, that's, what's going to hold the front lines, but it, it is the gospel of love that the, the lifestyle witness, a testimony is what radically transformed the world. It was Jesus. He, he spoke, I was just reflecting on this, like, I, I have not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And so, it, and what is the fulfillment of the law? So it's say, yes, the gospel of truth, we're not trying to abolish the law. We're not, we're not wavering right now as the world gets wacky, but to fulfill the law, we have to live love. And, and if we're not living as missionaries of love in our day-to-day life, which I think is what you're testifying to, Aaron, your lifestyle, if it's not a witness of the gospel, it's probably not going to make a great impact of change. And so I think that everyday witness is, it's challenging. It's easy to stand on the right political spectrum on things or even the right theological spectrum on things. It's challenging to live with the right heart every day in every conversation and every relationship. That's interesting. I was thinking, um, I think I agree with you on the the idea that we you are- You should agree um, with me, Brad. I'm a smart person. I think it's like- um, <laughs> Well, I'm wow. trying. I'm trying to do some like <laughs> like a hula hooping in my mind, but I think the um the comment on like we know how to fight for truth, I think is is, yeah, yeah. is something I see as well. But I think uh, Jesus reveals Himself as the way, the truth, and the life. And so we we're we're accustomed to fighting for the truth, but are we fighting for the way and fighting for the life? Like, and I think that we we feel like we risk something more with the way and the life for some reason. So like whenever we're fighting for the truth, it's something like a uh, like a mental game. So it's the mind, right? But like the way is is the heart and the life is like my body. Like you, like I'm, I'm living it. Like, um, those are all like loosely, um, correlated, but like, I, I think there is something to say about when, when I live my life in such a way, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm manifesting Jesus just in the same way as if I'm proclaiming truth. Um, if, if I'm, if I'm living and walking and journeying on a specific way, yep. I'm, evidencing Jesus to the world just as much as I am through the best apologetic argument. Okay, Brad, who gets to go next? Me or you? Um, uh, I'll go next. I'll go next. Uh, uh, I'm going to throw it in. And um, my two cents on this question. That was a good throw. Is, wait, 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 yeah. wait. What does it mean when we say that everyone is called to be a missionary? Okay. What we mean by that is that in fact, by our baptism, what we are called to do is bring Jesus Christ to the world. So I think that whenever we're thinking the term missionary, sometimes we can think to ourselves, a missionary is someone who has an entire life oriented towards being sent out of a geographic area. But really, a lot of times the mission that we're called to in our day-to-day lives is being sent out of what's comfortable to us and into a place where we make disciples of all nations. And I think a lot about the, uh, the work of Pope Francis and well, I, I guess Pope Benedict XVI had some, uh, like say in the process too, but <laughs> Pope Francis finished the work that I think was, was started in some ways by Pope Benedict with Evangelii Gaudium, right? Mm-hmm. The joy of the gospel. And there's a, there's a part of that particular in like encyclical that I've always come back to and it says this, it says, in order to persist in fervent evangelization, we must be convinced from personal experience that it's not the same thing to know Jesus as not to have known him. And it's a really simple way of saying this. Like if you, if you want to 
proclaim the good news to the world, the first step is you have to realize that knowing Jesus in your own life is different than not knowing him. So when we read from Vatican II, the, the universal call to holiness, the universal call to mission, the, those are inseparable. We're, we're missionary disciples because the moment I realized that my life was transformed when I met Jesus, it, it's totally different then what I now know is anyone who hasn't met him hasn't met their totally different life yet. And I want them to know that totally different life. So those are interchangeable because you can't have one without the other. We talk on this show all the time that every true encounter with Jesus leads to mission with Jesus. And that that's obvious because when you meet him, he's the best thing that's ever happened. He, he's something that's so different than your day-to-day experience that if you truly know the depths of his heart, your immediate move is to allow others to come into contact with the depths of that heart. So um, what do we mean when we say that? We mean that everyone should be actively participating in helping those in your spheres of influence and those who you encounter on a day-to-day basis come to know the the man that's behind this faith that we call ours. So that's what we mean. Yeah, so not everyone's called to be like a full-time missionary at Damascus, but if you want to be one, you <laughs> yeah. would go to damascus.net well, yeah, net backslash mission. Yeah, and but, that would be great. But not everyone's called to do that. Right, and so, well, but everyone, mission garden tea, or can <laughs> is apparently. But everyone is called to, to, to be a missionary in their sphere of influence. 100%, yeah. Well, because I think that we oftentimes want to define things by what they're not. And that's never the right way to define something. Like, like when we define a lay person, we define them as not priests or <laughs> we define them as not religious, mm-hmm. but the lay person is something. Yeah. And all of those different vocational callings have missionary impulses in them. And so we don't define missionary by saying like missionaries are those who go overseas and I'm something different and then call that something, yep. you know, it's no, no, no. The missionary impulse is infused in all of the locations. The question is, how am I called to partake in it? Um, and, and that's where the conversation gets interesting. But when we say everyone's called to be a missionary, that's just what the church teaches. I get so jazzed up by that. Like yeah. the, the fact that it, the lady are called to be missionary in every strata of humanity, of which is Jesus's brilliancy. He's like, I'm going to put my ambassadors in everything, arts, entertainment, that's right. That's right. business, government, education, healthcare. There is no realm where, where the Christian is not Where present. the gospel can't go. Yeah, exactly. Right. That's exactly. awesome. Exactly. Yep. Aaron, do you approve of Brad's two cents? I, I do. <laughs> well, as, as I was, I was listening to you, Brad, I think it's, uh, you know, oftentimes when, when we think about like, if you prescribe a certain lifestyle to me, that that's you stepping over the bounds of, um, good decorum, right? That's yeah. you expecting something of me or trying to define me. But I love how you, how you rooted our, our call to missionary life as actually like, if, if I love you, yeah, then I should be, I should be passionately engaged in the process of introducing you to someone who's going to make your life better. Unequivocally and, and always. And I think another way to kind of conceptualize this for those who still might wrestle with like, yeah, but I've always known missionaries as those people who go to unreached people groups or those yeah, yeah. people who go overseas. Think about this, like us three up here right now, we're all married, um, all fathers. Uh, I'll meet my first little one in January, like we talked about before, but, um, but we're also all priests. There's a difference in the vocational priesthood, right? Like that's a a person who their entire life is offering the sacrifice of the mass and the sacraments for the salvation of souls. We're priests in a different sense, but we still have a a priestly duty even within the laity. So too with missionaries, you have vocational missionaries, if you will, that their entire life 
is going to be consumed by translating the Bible into different languages, helping people understand that the gospel is the only way of life to live. But that doesn't reduce the missionary impulse and mandate on us who are outside of just the vocation. If I had a whistle, I would blow my whistle because I think you just did an extra two cents. Okay. That, but that was a really good two cents. I thought it was I good. It. It, was really I was, good. It, was, it was really good. That okay. was actually, cool. yeah, that was yeah. really good. All, All right. right, boom, my two cents. Okay, here's the deal. Um, he just wanted to go. That's Jack, the reason. Jack, really loud. too loud in the, oh, can you? Every time. Oh, give me some, give me some editing uh, <laughs> feedback in the future. Okay. Every I'm going to try. So what do we mean that everyone is called to be a missionary? So we do a, a teaching here at, at Damascus um, for our missionaries, and uh, we have two different teachings. One is the universal call to holiness and the other is the universal call to mission. And I think, um, so something happens when you're baptized, right? You, you, you receive a, a white robe, which signifies, uh, this, this cleansing, the waters wash you clean of original sin. And, and you're, you're made a, a saint or incorporated in the community of saints. And, uh, so there's, there's this universal call to holiness, uh, mm-hmm. that I'm brought into the holiness of God. You also receive an anointing, right? And the anointing is priest, prophet, and king. And and the priest, prophet, and king were the missionaries, if you will. They had a special calling on their life. And then you get a candle that signifies that you're the light of the world. So baptism doesn't just set you apart to be holy. Baptism sets you apart to be holy as God's chosen one and equips you to be missionary. And so, and I think what happened, Vatican II made the universal call to holiness very popular. Um, the document Lumen Gentium in Vatican II used this phrase universal call to holiness and it became extremely, uh, it became the vernacular that holiness isn't just for priests and nuns, but everyone's called to holiness. And that that kind of became the, the talking point, a great talking point for a number of years. But the universal call to um, mission was a talking point that didn't happen after Vatican II really. And it's just now coming to the surface, right? But this, this is... This comes from John Paul II in Redemptorius Missio. It's a, a great encyclical of his. The universal call to holiness is closely linked to the universal call to mission. Every member of the faithful is called to holiness and to mission. He says evangelization is the supreme duty of the church. Or Paul VI, who was like all about evangelization. He really kind of renewed <coughs> the evangelization spirit. He calls for this new evangelization. He says the church... He wrote an encyclical, The Evangelization of the Modern World. He says, the church knows this. She has a vivid awareness of the fact that the Savior's words, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. They apply to this truth to herself. Uh, She willingly, the church, adds with St. Paul, not that I boast of preaching the gospel, since it is a duty that has been laid on me. I should be punished if I do not preach it. Or this in evangelization of my world, Paul VI says, the, the church is missionary by her very nature. We wish to confirm once more that the task of evangelizing all people constitutes the essential mission of the church. It is a task and mission which the vast and profound changes of the present day society make all the more urgent. Evangelizing is in fact the grace and vocation proper to the church, her deepest identity. She exists in order to evangelize. And so if I am the church, I my deepest identity is to be an evangelist, a missionary. I exist as one who has been recreated in Christ Jesus through baptism or, or reborn in Christ Jesus uh, to, to evangelize, to, to be missionary. It's that 
before baptism, and this is, I think it's so important that we understand the theology of baptism is critical in our understanding of what it means to be a Christian. Before baptism, I lived for the world and to advance my world. After baptism, that former person died. I rose a new creation now to advance the kingdom of God. And so before baptism, I lived as a, a child of this world. After baptism, I became a citizen of heaven. So as you're saying, the missionary leaves their home and proclaims the gospel on a full-time basis in, in a different country. Well, that is what a Christian is. That my homeland is heaven. I'm not in heaven yet. We're a pilgrim people, yeah. I'm a pilgrim person. And so and so right now, I'm missing my homeland of heaven, and, and I'm preaching the gospel in this foreign land. And this world looks a little foreign, right? Like the, if I'm living a life of holiness, then I like look at this world. I'm like, oh my God, this, this is like bass backwards, right? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. it's it, everything is confusing in this world. I need to be a light in the darkness. Jack, oh, do you bleep those out? That's awesome. No, bass I think you should keep it. Not a bad, I want said, it. I want it to stay. Bass Aquarius. Yeah, that's a valid oh, use. I, I, I want it on there. I think you I was have, a, make you a, have a fish on, on your sweatshirt too, let me, Jack. So let me jump be, there. So, uh, Jack, thank you for the softball. I just, I just want to, I just want, <laughs> just want to identify that uh, I think it's hilarious that that we talk about this so frequently. Yeah, that you guys have like a. An active working knowledge of where to find in church yeah, well, documentation. Because it's the universal call mission. But I do think oh, I want to go. I want to go to the the heart of what you're saying with just the um, the uh, the understanding of baptism, because it's also the understanding outside of the sacraments of an encounter with Christ. Yeah. Right. Like look in look in the Gospels. Like let's just go to the Gospel of John, John one and John two. What do we see? You have you have guys that are following Jesus. They encounter him and they immediately go and say, we've found the Messiah. That's literally encounter immediately leading to mission because they realize how good what they just experienced was. Look at John two. That's like, that's all of a sudden you, we were seeing Jesus like, um, like flip tables, do all this stuff. But then he, he meets just a couple chapters later with the woman at the well. And the difference between what we see in John two and then what we see in John four is when he flips those tables, there's there's an offense taken where there could have been an encounter had, mm. right? But then in John four, where offense could be taken, encounter is had. The Samaritan woman. At the the well. Samaritan woman. Sorry, yep. yeah, I should give more context. And yeah, so when you have the woman at the well in John four, she is told things about her past that she would be immensely shameful about. And and we've probably heard homilies and things on that, but like he he tells her everything she's ever done, and that's what she says. And whenever she goes back to the town, and a town where she would probably have found some. Um, just herself ostracized and things like that. And she goes back and, and immediately goes, come and meet the man who told me everything I've ever done. So in John one, we see an encounter leading to mission. In John two, we see a potential encounter that's taken as an offense and not leading to mission. But then the exact same type of thing happens in John four, where something could have been offensive and it leads to mission. I want to just testify to the, the power of uh, gospel evangelization in the modern yeah. world too, right? So that th this John Ford just happened like a couple days ago on our campus. So we were, we did a mm -hmm. uh, a youth. <clears throat> Aaron, I'm talking. Could you please not cough? <laughs> uh, we did a youth ministers retreat, and on, at the end of the retreat, we were doing testimonies. And this youth minister came up, and she was testifying. She's like, "The missionaries at Damascus, they were praying over me." And I guess they had a lot of words of knowledge, but she literally, she's like, "They, they, they told me everything I had done, and they knew everything about my life that what I was going through." And I was like, "Word of knowledge ministry is what Jesus was practicing with a Samaritan woman. He knew the like he knew what had happened. He shares it in a way that." 
broke her heart open to receive the gospel. And it was neat because this youth minister was testifying to the fact that the same words of knowledge from our missionaries broke her heart open and she felt so seen and loved by God, right? That the same ministry that Jesus does, he gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit to be missionaries like he's a missionary. If he's the foreigner from heaven who comes down to earth to preach the good news of the Father and the and to bring the love of the Father, we are now Jesus. Yeah. We, we've been recreated in him so that we are the foreigner from heaven to preach the good news and uh, of the Father and to share his love with others through words of knowledge, through healing ministry, through prophecy, uh, through signs, wonders, and just through stinking love. Yeah, yeah. I'm going back to your original uh, two cents, Aaron, on... Uh just how like this is the testimony of our lives. And I think a lot of times when we're taking our first steps into like an, an active missionary life, like the fullness of the Christian life, we can sometimes be hesitant because something's happened in our life that we're still offended that we did, or, or we're like, we don't know enough. Right. But, but like in my own life, the grace of God has been so overwhelming to me in that in the areas where I used to be broken, there's some of the areas of my greatest mission. Like in the areas where I put my identity in the wrong thing, now that my identity is in the right thing, I can minister to the people that are in that place way better than I could have without it. Because God, in his infinite goodness, works better out of plan B than he could have out of plan A. And it's impossible to understand. But if you're if you're hesitant to take that first step, right, like then then we can we can recognize that. Well, I'd, I'd love to hear what you have to say that, Aaron, but like we can recognize that my testimony is not just the good parts of me. Like it's, it's not just like, look at how shiny my life is now and how everything's perfect. It's like, no, look at my life and look at it before and after I met this man. I don't know. Does that make sense? Like with what you were saying with acts five, like, I'm just trying to like, see like my manifestation of love is because I've been loved. Yeah. And I'm just trying to live mm. from that. And a lot of people, when they come to Damascus, they hear when they come to this campus, <laughs> yeah, sure. uh, they see something that's, that's different. It's evidently different. They see fruit and ministry that's evidently different from what they've seen elsewhere. And there's always this question like, you know, what is the secret? What are you guys doing that's different than anything else? And I think that, you know, if there, if there is a secret, there's probably, there are undoubtedly many secrets. Uh, we've got a community here of a people that's motivated by love and that's motivated by that daily response that they, the answer they've already given the Lord is yes. And when, when, that's, when that becomes your operating standard, all of a sudden your expectation for what's possible, it changes. And I, I want to highlight something too. The question is, well, what do we mean when we say everyone is called to be a missionary? And I think what I hear testimony about Damascus so often is when people come here, they notice that everyone is a missionary, that it's not about, there's not one personality type. There's not one, uh, there's not one gifting that that everyone brings the, their unique personality, uh, their unique missional DNA, the way that God put his fingerprint on you into the missional life of the church. And I, I think sometimes we create this caricature of what it means to be a missionary, like that that this personality type or the skill set, and everyone here has different skills. And their skills are used, whether it's in finances, whether it's in technology, whether it's in media, whether it's on stage, whether it's in music, whether it's in counseling and pastoral. It's a, it, There's a diversity of gifts in the body of Christ, but everyone is a missionary. And it's so important that we know that uh, I don't have to look like, um, you know, like, Christophanic or Father Mike to be a missionary, right? Like they have a special anointing on their life to be missionary in the way they are missionary. But the, by the fact that God has chosen me 
and, and has baptized me, he's made me missionary. Yeah. And so too, if you have those gifts, them manifesting those gifts is different than you doing it. So get in the game too, right? Yeah. Like we're all called to, to play a part. I think with that, um, well, I mean, this leads perfect because the question leads to it, but like um, just trying to carry some mission momentum into the week. So how do we activate this? Uh, this week, kind of around this idea of like, if maybe if someone's like wrestling with, how can I get engaged with my call to be a missionary uh, before I come back and listen? Let me, let me jump in. I've, yeah. got, I've got one. I think that many times in our prayer, we are focused on Jesus. How do you want me to feel? Or how do you want me to respond to this? Or even Jesus, what, what behavior do you want me to stop? And I would just, I would I would encourage you if it's not a part of your daily prayer now to maybe make it a part of your daily prayer this week to ask Jesus, what do you want me to do? Mm-hmm. Jesus, what do you want me to say? Or, uh, or who, to whom do you want me to say it? And, and just see, see if he has something that, that he might be willing to ask you to engage in actively as opposed that. to Jesus. How do you want me to feel today? Yeah, I love that. I think that's, I actually wrote down my mission momentum would be very similar um, I have a phrase that I like, uh, do what you do and do it for Jesus. So, uh, for your, for your mission momentum this week, just like, what is it that you do and ask, how can I do that for Jesus? So if you're working in computer software, okay, how do you do that job for Christ? If you are playing soccer, how can you play soccer for Jesus? And so do what you do. So we're not asking you to quit your job and become a missionary in Africa unless God's asking you to do that. Um, but do whatever you're called to do right now and do it all in for him. And so just evaluate that right on it. What would it look like? What do you want me to do, Jesus? Yeah, man, I'm getting excited. This is awesome. I think um, I would just add that in order for you to take like your first step in mission, I think it's important to understand that the two universal calls that we talked about, the universal call to holiness and the universal call to mission can also be properly summed up in the two greatest commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And I wanna focus on that second part for mission momentum is um, maybe over the next week, think about someone in your life that you've fallen out of contact with or who you haven't thanked in a while or haven't reached out to in a while and engage that. Because when we, when we make that first step, we begin to learn what it's like to step out. And if you take that first step of stepping out, no matter really the result, the feeling of stepping out brings like a freedom that I think then allows us to live a more missionary life after that. So over the next week, maybe one person that you haven't reached out to in a while and just text them an affirming word or try to call them on your way home from work or on your way to work, just to see if you can engage uh, with them. And as you step out with that, you'll be able to step out more and it's a good more. word, Brad. That's yeah. a good word. I love that. That's exciting. All right, guys. Well, um, that does it for today's episode, but before we close, we just want to let everyone listening know, and that we always want to do this better and better. So please forgive me if I mess it up here, but remember mission, mission makes sense. sense. And uh, oh, again, if, uh, if you've listened today and this would bless someone in your life, please share this episode with them. Um, subscribe to our channel and we'll look forward to everything that is to come. God bless. Hey friends at Damascus, we provide life-changing experiences for the youth of the church every single day. It's amazing to see God change a person's life. And we have a special mission partner who has said for every new subscription we get to Beyond Damascus this season, they'll give us a $10 scholarship for a kid to come to camp or on a retreat. And so if we get 5,000 new subscribers, we'll be able to raise $50,000 in camp scholarships 
to change young people's lives. So yeah, I know it's stupid. Like, subscribe, all that stuff. But seriously, subscribe to Beyond Damascus and ask other people to do it because we can actually change lives through that simple button. Also, we like to brag when God is changing people's lives. And so after every episode, we're going to have a testimony. And we want you to stay tuned and listen to this testimony to hear how God has impacted someone's life. And God's not dead. He's on the move, and he wants to change your life more and more every day. Hi, friends. My name is Carly. I'm a third-year missionary at Damascus, and I'm so excited to talk to you guys a little bit about the importance of having lay missionaries in the church today. And looking at this and thinking about this, it's impossible to not think of one of my heroes, St. Pope John Paul the Great. And in his apostolic exhortation to the lay faithful, he talked about how the church was coming into a time of a more lively awakening into her identity as missionary. So beautifully, he goes on to say that this is a call that does not just apply to the pastors and to the male and female religious, but that this is a call that exists for you and for me as lay people in the church today. And thinking about this, I can't help but think about my time at the Ohio State University in a beautiful way in which the Lord invited me into this and really allowed me to see this call of mission in the laity today. Now, my freshman year at Ohio State, I had a really beautiful encounter with Jesus again, where there was this reawakening in my heart of, okay, Jesus, you are real and you are worth living life for. And automatically what happened was I wanted to live on mission and become involved with ministry and do all of these things. But in our lives, as any baptized Christian, there's a twofold call. There's this call to holiness, this call to live in intimacy and relationship with Jesus and sustain a deep life of prayer and a deep life of sacraments in the church. This leads to a beautiful, loving communion with Jesus. And naturally, as an offspring of this, there is this call to mission that love demands a response. And that in encountering this love, we want other people to encounter this love that has changed our lives. And so I had this encounter with Jesus and then beautifully was introduced into a deeper prayer life. And from this place, I was like, oh my goodness, I want other people to meet him. And in this time at Ohio State, some of the most fun times of mission weren't even in church settings or organized ministry settings, but were actually in my time in the classroom of general chemistry with a thousand students in this huge lecture hall and sitting next to a girl who, and just striking up conversation with her in genuine friendship, coming to find out that she was Catholic, coming to find out that she was longing for deeper community, coming to find out that she was literally reading Humana Vitae and seeking deeper answers with the church. The Lord allowed me to be in this place to then invite her into Bible study and invite her into deeper friendship. And what's so beautiful, friends, was the parish priest, he couldn't be in that setting necessarily of that general chemistry classroom at Ohio State. But beautifully, by the providence of the Lord, I could. And this was the call to mission, just in this unique area of influence where the Lord already had me in life. This was similar in in an anatomy lab and in all these different places and leaving a job interview and all these different places where the Lord just allows these beautiful collisions to happen with people that come into incredible works of mission to invite the people around us that he already has there into a deeper life and a deeper relationship with him. 
So this is the call to just live mission in the sphere of influence where the Lord already has us. But secondly, and I think we really see this in the church today, is there's this rise, this missional rise of this missional call that so many people are answering to of actually giving their life to mission, of actually living this life of missionary on the business card where this is the fullness of life. Now, my time at Ohio State, this was before answering this call to lifelong mission and full-time mission, which I've now entered into with Damascus. But the question is why? Why do we see so many young people and people of all ages answering this lifelong call and this full-time call to living mission in the church today? And friends, if we look at our culture, I think the answer is so evident that in looking at the gender identity crisis and the rise of birth control and the crumbling of the family, we can see this need that now more than ever, our world needs the person of Jesus Christ. And so naturally there is this call for people to answer to of living a life of mission. And friends, this is beautifully rising up in our church today through Damascus, through Focus, through St. Paul's Outreach, through the Culture Project, through so many beautiful organizations where we see actually this missional call rising up in our nation and in our world. And what we see now is that, yes, if we look at our young people in the world today, we see people who are in this crisis of social media, who are in this crisis of identity in these deep, deep questions. But at the same time, friends, we see thousands of young people who are having real encounters with Jesus in the Eucharist, real encounters of being like, yes, Jesus, I believe that that is you, body, blood, soul, and divinity, and moving forth from this place of encounter to live a life of mission in their parishes, in their schools, in their sports teams, in all these places where beautifully only they can go. I believe that this comes from this rise up of young people and people of all ages answering to this call of, as John Paul the Great said, this missional identity that the church is coming deeper into. And so today, friends, how is the Lord inviting you in your unique spheres of influence that already exist in your families, in your friend groups, in your workplaces? How has the Lord actually appointed that as your place to go and to live mission and to bring him into? Maybe there's a deeper call to mission that the Lord is inviting you into through a deeper life of prayer and a deeper life of relationship with him. But it is actually for such a time as this that you and I as lay people are called to support the fullness of the body of Christ to invite everybody into their lifelong call of holiness and of mission. You guys are amazing. We love you and we're praying for you. God bless.